Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 13 and 14. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. I'm just going to guess or speculate that for many people who read the Bible, Ecclesiastes is not a favorite book, especially if you just read parts of it without good attention to the whole. There are passages that seem to be depressing in Ecclesiastes. There are passages that contain some difficulty, perhaps the one that we will engage tonight. But with repeated study and good concentration, it can all come together. And what is said at the end of the book makes sense and ties everything together well. Fear God and keep His commandments. That statement at the end of the book informs everything that comes before it. I do not believe a good study of Ecclesiastes can be well pursued without interpreting everything in the book in the light of this final conclusion. Life here on earth, Solomon calls it under the sun, is hard. There is suffering, there's hardship that we don't understand. What the earth has to offer is temporary, and it isn't spiritually fulfilling. Untimely events bother us. Disease. People, and our reaction to people. Most of us struggle with impatience, maybe even with each other. Life isn't fair, we have long concluded. Solomon says that's the way it is, and so... Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. I want to read a portion of Ecclesiastes 9 in the light of all this. I'm going to read verses 1 through 6, and then in the sermon body, I'm going to refer to some of the other verses in Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Let's begin by listening to... Verses 1 through 6, Ecclesiastes 9. But all this I laid to heart, examining it all, how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God. Whether it is love or hate, man does not know. Both are before him. It is the same for all since the same event happens to the righteous and the wicked, to the good and the evil, to the clean and the unclean, to him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice. As the good one is, so is the sinner, and he who swears as he who shuns an oath. This is an evil in all that is done under the sun, that the same event happens to all. Also, the hearts of the children of man are full of evil, and madness is in their hearts while they live. 
and after they go to the dead. But he who is joined with all the living has hope, for a living dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing, and they have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Their love and their hate and their envy have already perished, and forever they have no more share in all that is done under the sun. We'll come back and pick up some other verses in chapter 9 in a moment. Now what do we do with this? First of all, we observe context. And that's going to mean we look back into chapter 8 briefly. We observe context. We look back into chapter 8. And what we discover is there are things man cannot find out, no matter the effort applied. Let me say that again. There are things man cannot find out, no matter the effort applied. Questions we cannot answer will always be there. Tragedy that has no traceable and clear cause the other things I brought up a moment ago that disturb our peace. So follow that thought from chapter 8 into chapter 9. And you'll come to that phrase, man does not know. Back in chapter 8, the last phrase in verse 17, he cannot find it out, even though a wise man claims to know he cannot find it out. So it can be said in this simple phrase, man does not know about a lot of the things here under the sun. I've often thought that I need to put that on my bulletin board in my office or on the refrigerator. But now this doesn't mean we can't know anything. It means there are some things about life under the sun we will remain ignorant of. Man does not know. But here's what we know with absolute certainty. The reality of death. Verse 3. They go to the dead. Man does not know everything about life under the sun, but there's something man can know. And here's that phrase, they go to the dead. And it's emphasized with another phrase, the same event happens to all. Now this may remind us of something in the New Testament in Hebrews 9.27. It is appointed unto man to die. So, Already I'm learning, though there may be things in chapter 9 I have difficulty with, already I'm learning, I can't answer every question about life under the sun. I cannot unravel every puzzle that may be presented to me. I can't explain, and you can't explain, and nobody can explain everything about life under the sun. But there's something we can know, life under the sun will come to an end. It says in that phrase here, they go to the dead. Now, once you get that main idea, out of chapter 8 and into chapter 9, 
that there are things man cannot know about life under the sun, but we can know that it will end, we will go to the dead, then we need to raise that question that is always valuable in Bible study. So what? What am I to do with this once I get my hands on the main idea? How do we turn this truth into something practical? How do we extract some joy from this part of Ecclesiastes? I want to call up from the text four imperatives for us today. Number one, pursue righteousness and wisdom. Whatever you cannot understand about life under the sun and bad things that happen now, pursue righteousness and wisdom. The righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God. That's where I want to be. I know I can't be at a place where I explain everything under the sun, but I can be in this place in the hand of God, providentially and spiritually. Pursue righteousness and wisdom. Do you know that for most people, the reality of death may mean the opposite? We all know people who think like this. If I'm going to die, I'm going to have a good time while I'm alive. And I'm going to do that by fulfilling every appetite in my mind and my body. Eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow you will die. Many people think that way. That mentality, that purpose is pervasive throughout our culture. There is a frantic grabbing and grasping onto things under the sun to try to find if one of those things will fulfill us. There is a madness to have every desire fulfilled. There's a risky and foolish rush to get high on something, to run toward what is wild and exciting, but that contains sin and ruin and doesn't prepare us for the final destiny. Solomon wants us to know, in view of the reality of death and the greatness of God, a theme all the way through Ecclesiastes, pursue what is right. Gain wisdom. Use opportunities to glorify God and get ready to leave your existence under the sun. Fear God and keep His commandments. Live in the hand of God spiritually and personally. Verse 18 says, Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. So, enjoy the gifts of God that you have under the sun, and let those gifts motivate you to fear the one who gave those gifts and keep his commandments. Delight in your fellowship with the people of God with such discipline that you're always in pursuit of righteousness and wisdom, recognizing that you can't explain everything that happens under the sun. Live your life and do so with joy. Solomon in Ecclesiastes tells us what will not work for a good life to prepare for death. 
He tells us what will not work. Self-indulgence. Attaching, attaching yourself to this world's wealth. Seeking to be praised and celebrated. Yet, he isn't recommending a reclusive, boring life where you just sit around and wait to die. Verse 4 says, He who is joined with all the living has hope. Yes, there is hope in Ecclesiastes. And then he expresses that in a peculiar way when he says a living dog is better than a dead lion. Several times in Ecclesiastes, Solomon says, Enjoy what God has given you under the sun and find hope in what God has promised about when you leave your existence under the sun. Look back in chapter 8, verse 15. Solomon says, And I commend joy. Now, people who read only parts of Ecclesiastes may get the impression Solomon is really commending depression and despair and vanity. He's commending joy. For man has nothing better under the sun but to eat and drink and be joyful, for this will go with him in his toil through the days of his life that God has given him under the sun. There's hope and there's joy. Now this is not eating and drinking that is party oriented or appetite driven. This is enjoyment of what God enables us to have while we're here. There are gifts we have from God here on earth to enjoy while we prepare for the next existence. Worry and pain sometimes distracts us from the gifts that we hold in our lives granted by a gracious God. And I will add, I think some people who are not Christians believe that we just sit around dutifully reading the Bible according to the schedule, going to church and trying to get up and tackle that list of commands and just waiting for the second coming and complaining every day about life here with no joy, bored, negative, a servile existence. That's not the biblical view of being a Christian. Not only does Solomon commend joy and recommend it for those who fear God and keep His commandments, in the New Testament, joy is everywhere. When Jesus gave the Beatitudes, what are those statements of blessing to God's people? When Jesus spoke to his disciples in John 14, he said, Do not be troubled. I go to prepare a place for you. When Paul was being incarcerated, held against his will, he wrote to the church at Philippi and said, Rejoice always. When Peter was suffering persecution himself and writing to suffering Christians, he said, Rejoice with joy inexpressible even though now you're undergoing various trials. So the joy Solomon recommends, <clears throat> echoed in its fullness in the New Testament, is not eat, drink, and be merry in a carnal sense. It isn't load your life down with every vice and fulfill every appetite. It is rejoicing knowing that your life here is headed for a perfect existence with the Creator so long as you're pursuing righteousness and wisdom. Rejoice 
with the gifts that God has granted you here that you can enjoy and share with a discipline that fears God and keeps his commandments. Here's an example. Enjoy a good marriage. Verse 9 in Ecclesiastes 9. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life that he has given you under the sun because that is your portion in life and in your toil at which you toil under the sun. Now, make sure that you enter a marriage that is in keeping with God's law. That's first. It's not just about attraction and romance. Make certain you enter a marriage that's in keeping with God's law. And then in that marriage, when husband and wife are fearing God and keeping His commandments, there's so much joy in that. As you grow together and become closer and appreciate each other more and more. Not everybody has to marry. Some have been placed in unfortunate circumstances, but for those who are married and living together as children of God, under that covenant of marriage, there is this joy to be thankful for. Solomon says, it is our portion for our good in this world, part of our good toil under the sun, to cherish your wife, to pursue righteousness with your spouse. The value of a good marriage is one example of what God has given for us to enjoy while we're here under the sun. Back in Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12, that's where Solomon made the point, two are better than one because they have a good reward for that toil. That can be applied to marriage. Number four, work. In Ecclesiastes 9, I'm going to go down to verse 10. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might, for there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom and sheol to which you are going. Whatever work you do, whatever work I do, it'll have to be done here before the grave. People talk about the American work ethic. I'll tell you, long before America, there was and there is now God's work ethic. Solomon had already mentioned that back in chapter 5 and verse 12. He said, the sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eats little or much. Yes, there is immense satisfaction when you get up every day and you work hard and you see the fruit of your labor. That's one of the gifts of God. Higher than that, God expects us to do what we're able to do. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your mind. Solomon is still saying, enjoy. Enjoy work and its product. I read an article not long ago by Brother Brent Lewis, a gospel preacher. He said, legitimate hard work 
builds character. And he expressed it like this. While the farmer cultivates the crop, the crop cultivates the farmer. And then he said, as a man builds a house, the house builds the man. I think that's right. Solomon has said the good worker is like a, or not Solomon, someone has said, this is a quotation I couldn't find the source of. The good worker is like a good watch. Open face, busy hands, pure gold, well regulated, and wound up. See, that's not depressing. Solomon is recommending joy while we're here under the sun. That joy can only be fully embraced by those who fear God and keep His commandments. I can't explain everything that happens under the sun. I don't have an answer to every question. I don't have a solution or remedy for every problem or puzzle. But I know that our existence under the sun will not last forever. And there will be death. And what then? Listen carefully, please, once again. In Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and 14, the end of the matter, all has been heard, fear God, and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. And I'll leave you with this. People say life is short, better enjoy it. And sometimes they're talking about carnal joy. But maybe it ought to be said... Eternity is long, better prepare for it while you enjoy the gifts God has given you under the sun. Let's be standing while we sing.